All right, we're recording. Office hours 13. Uh, thank you to everyone who watches this now or in the future. Uh, we're we're going to do our number for fingers up to get to 13, and we've got a wonderful new guest who's contributing to this today, and we'll, we'll share a little bit more, but let's get, let's get those fingers up for, for 13. Neil! No. I can't see Lawrence. No. What Lawrence? Okay, so, uh, two. 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 Put two up. Uh, two. <laughs> okay, okay. We're, we're going to get this down one day, I swear. Um, thank you again. This is uh, Office Hours for Speak AI. We do this every Friday at 12 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Wonderful to see you all here. And again, we have an amazing guest. We're so excited. Leon, thank you for joining. Leon was talking a little bit about uh, the surreal experience of watching this and now being a part of it. So that makes us feel very humbled because I feel surreal because I met Leon and thought, oh my God, this guy is a, a genius and uh, just admired his, his empathy, his skill, his experience, his understanding. And to have you sitting here is also surreal uh, uh, for me and I think for our whole team and especially Vatsal and I who had, had known you for a little bit longer here. So um, without further ado, let's do a very quick round of introductions. So this is very quick and then we'll let Leon maybe have a little bit more, just a little bit more space to describe, you know, who he is and you know, what, what, what his role is right now and, and why he's doing this. So I'll go quickly. I'm Tyler, one of the original creators of Speak AI. And uh, I guess I'm like the CEO. I realized that that's the, that's the role. Very excited to be doing that and, and managing and, and helping support a wonderful team that uh, I feel honored to work with every day. So I'll pass this around. Lauren, you're mm -hmm. to the, you're to the, more. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm Lauren. I do accounting and admin stuff and HR and all sorts of fun business type stuff. There we go. Vatel. <laughs> uh, okay. Hello, everyone. I'm Vatel here, C2 at CQHBKI. Uh, a lot of fun to build the technology and uh, improve people's life and solve the important problems here. Timothy. Thank you. Um, Timothy Fosterman. I'm an engineer at Spikea, and we, with Vatsal and I, live in, we're stuck in the gap between expectations of our stakeholders and our dreams. And... <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Nihal. Uh, hi, I'm Nihal, a uh, digital strategist here at Spikea. Uh, I am still trying to get Tyler to reel in his thoughts. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Appreciate the appreciate the effort. And then, lastly, the honorable Leon. Uh, please, yeah, just uh, maybe take a second to introduce introduce yourself. I, I feel like there are quite quite a few expectations now, um, both from the team and the audience, that I have to live up to. Um, but I'll try my best to do that. I, my name is Leon. I well, I'll start with what you know what I'm joining as. Basically, I'm I'm helping out with product uh, management. So anything from product strategy to um, simplifying the UX to uh, driving retention um, and also driving growth, which enables growth in the future. Um, so those are kind of things that I have in mind. Uh, also my background, uh, how is rel relevant? Well, let me tell you a quick story. Um, when I started my career in tech, uh, um, actually it was through the angle of design as a product designer um, I worked primarily with a couple of startups uh, and then eventually uh, migrated towards user research um, for enterprise mostly. And then at some point I founded my own startup. Um, there I started as a designer again, which brought user research expertise into it and eventually realized that we were lacking this sort of elephant in the room. Um, somebody had to take on the responsibilities of making sure that things were viable, feasible, and desirable, right? Um, with the right mix of whatever we were building. So that turned out to be product management. Um, so I was sort of, actually the other way around, PM, uh, the role of a PM fell into my lap and uh, I, I assumed it basically. Um, and I learned to fall in love with it because, <laughs> because over time I realized that I was a person that didn't actually care that much about a product or what the form and shape and the um, features of a product actually is. It's, it's because it's a derivative of following up with a problem, falling in love with whom we're solving the problem for. Um, so I often tell people that as a PM or as a product strategist, I uh, follow up with the problem, not necessarily the products because the products change over time. They evolve and they grow and they, you know, they shrink um, to adapt to market changes, to adapt to uh, behavior, behavioral changes to adapt to competitiveness. And the problem is the core of it, right? And the people behind 
people who are suffering or who experience the pain points behind these problems um, every day are the motivation behind why we build products. And so that to me is very, very fascinating. And I would say my superpowers, if there is one, is that uh, I am just insatiably curious. Um, so I ask more whys than most people around me. Um, so if, so if my, my wife were to tell me to say, let's go grab um, Indian food tonight, I'd be like, why? And she would slap me in the face, <laughs> shut up and just grab dinner. Okay. Uh, so I overthink, I'm curious, but pairing that with, um, as Tyler mentioned, empathy is something that I received as externally as feedback that I uh, have a, a natural innate um, empathetic mind. Um, that gives me the ability to go straight to problems and understand why people experience these problems. So to be fair or to be honest, really, uh, I suffer a lot every day because uh, I look at experiences, I look at services, I look at people, how they behave, their attitude towards things. It's all because the lack of, I think, user experience that's involved in building these services and structures around society. Um, so it's a compelling role and responsibility to have to wear, but there's, there, there are a lot of downsides to being what I'm doing. So I'm hoping that um, in order to not be uh, conditioned to always feel sad about things, I can do something about it. And so product man management is kind of the intersection that allows me to um, make a meaningful impact. Um, and uh, speaking of impact, when uh, I went from product designer to a user researcher and then eventually to become um, head of product, my company or my previous startup, um, I led product there. I'd also led design. Um, then eventually I... I um, found out that I could help other companies grow as well. And not just by like building something for them or, or consulting for them, but actually by deploying capital, it's almost like voting with um, your money, right? So even though I didn't have a lot of money to invest, but I had um, started a small portfolio of things and companies and, and projects that I um, began to invest in. Uh, so throughout this process, growth was at the center of everything um, and how I was able to grow or um, how I viewed growth or my own growth was through tremendous documentation, through tremendous reflection, tremendous amount of um, thinking. I think retrospective or introspective um, journeys and walkthroughs. When Tyler approached me one day and say like, hey, we're, we're doing this cool thing which helps you grow um, by helping you reflect uh, and analyze your notes and thoughts that was an explosive moment in my mind, right? Because uh, why aren't more people doing this? And, and how much potential, like 100x, 1000x potential there could be for individuals to, um, to realize that these are important aspects towards whatever they're trying to grow into, right? Better uh, caretaker, better human, better, um, you know, better dog walker. So, so there's so much that you can do. Uh, and, and I became interested. So then we became friends. Um, I think it's been a couple of years-ish. Uh, 2020 kind of didn't really exist. It was, it barely counted. So I don't really remember how much, how, how long we've been in touch for. Um, yeah, and in the meantime, I had the pleasure of um, meeting Vatsal while we were volunteering together for this community called Voice Tech Global. At that time it was called Voice Tech TO, uh, through which I ran um, the community there held meetups, um, like offline events when those things were still around. And uh, I think pre-meetups uh, acquisition or M&A with, with WeWork, when things were a bit more rosy and, um, and less stressful. But uh, eventually, yeah, eventually the community grew from a few hundred people to over a thousand and still growing to over 2000, I believe. And that's all I think was a, was a volunteer um, to be on the product development team or engineer. And uh, whereas I was a little bit far away, but I had um, the pleasure of, of meeting him and being, being in the same space, sort of in the same field. Voice technology has always been something that fascinates me uh, because I think the key word that we often talk about internally here is dark data, uh, which is the data that gets lost. Uh, it's something that we don't proactively capture. Um, so this tool, that um, I'm excited to, to jump into actually allows us to do all of these things and much more. Um, 
last but not very least, I had in 2020, I think many people would probably resonate that I went through a, a pretty traumatic journey personally. There was a lot of breakdowns internally and, and realizing that I was losing traction in life. There's a, a lack of meaning, the lack of direction, uh, the lack of a cadence in life where I was moving towards something, goals or, or um, objectives. It's more like I just live day by day or um, it's sleep, eat and repeat all over again every day. Um, yeah, and, and mental health was something that I had to, uh, I had to put on my plate as a, as a proactive means to, to basically not feel so lost, right? And, uh, and, and, and Speak AI <laughs> has a tremendous focus, I believe, on mental health and, uh, and sharing that capability of helping somebody um, move from being in pain and suffering um, or confusion into some, somewhere that allows them to uh, truthfully um, derive value from being alive and derive value from being a contributing human being. Um, so all of these things started to pay, play a part in why I got so interested in Tyler and the company. And, uh, and yeah, I'm so excited to, 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 to hit the ground running and um, get my hands dirty, um, both from product and also a, a uh, UX perspective. Beautiful. Leon, That's thank awesome. you so much for sharing. Yeah. And uh, we're very glad Leon uh, made it here today. Uh, you, you know, there's there's been layers of what we've built into Speak AI, and um, I think there's this sort of um, paradigm that you have. But then, especially as you talk to Vatsal, <laughs> and then you start to see like the underlying architecture of the system, or just how many capabilities there are in a system. Uh, it starts to become whoa. <laughs> so uh, there was a wonderful battle uh, has, has demonstrated some of what we can do to Leon. And uh, I'm just glad Leon, you're not shell shocked. I'm glad that uh, we're everyone's still here and smiling and feeling, you know, excited and, and optimistic about the work we're doing. That's you think you have something to say about that? No, that's a great introduction, Leon, first of all. And uh, uh, just trying to unfold uh, the, the, the layer of the things we build so far, uh, one by one, it's like, uh, so very excited to see how we can connect all these dots uh, with the product uh, and also the, with the UX perspective. Yeah, and I, I the, the, so the, the idea besides welcoming uh, Leon today was to talk about um, value propositions and, and the value that we're actually producing. And what I love, Leon, you talk about is, you know, the problem that you're solving or the need that you're, you're serving is the biggest driver and the product can shift, people can shift, the technology can shift, but it's about that that's truly, um, you know, the, the driver of, of growth and success and actually delivering on the, the ideal that you have when you do start something and, and want to make a contribution. And the other part that has been interesting and, uh, you know, I, I know is both the exciting, but then that difficult part is when someone looks into our technology, looks into our product, they see all these possibilities and those possibilities have given us so much opportunity, but also have challenged us to focus, challenged us to hone in on those exact value propositions and the problem that we're, we're solving. And as you, as you talked about even some of your own interest in it, one of the things that stuck out to me that Michal, you and I have been talking a bit about recently was just like, is like the idea of like information accessibility, which is how can you get the information when you, when, when you actually need it. And, you know, you talked about it in specifically in mental health and sort of research and healthcare outcomes, but it's like, not only, not only is it just, for example, being able to search and find something, but also the ability to, if you do generate a lot of files or, or notes or media or whatever it is, that there are these unique patterns or unique moments within there that could actually be very helpful, that are hard to understand and hard to process as people. And how can we surface that that's in a valuable way that gives people the information they need so they can make better decisions, whether that's personally in their lives or then professionally or within organization scope. And so that's been, you know, a challenge to try to articulate. Uh, I know Nihal probably over there is like, oh, God damn it, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the other part that has been amazing, and then I'll, I'll close out with this, is our team has been head down in this for a, quite, a, quite a while. And um, we've grown 
like last quarter, the quarter before, like there has been a significant growth and traction within our organization. Um, but I know that there's more, we all feel that we can do more. And in a great way, Leon and Neil, you have made at least myself. And I know that's, I'm sure I think all of us confront our own shortcomings on the way that we've been thinking about this stuff, whether it is the messaging and marketing, whether it's the branding, it's about what is the true problem that you're solving? Who's your real customer? Um, you know, these are all things that have emerged since you guys especially have, have dived deep uh, that have come to the surface for me. And I told Nihal yesterday, that my brain has had to work. I, I, I all thought my brain was already working really hard, but the questions that both you asked Leon, when you say why, and like Leon, or that Neil just like, no, Tyler. It's like, that is a huge thing. And it came down to just a silly example in one way is like, we wanted to print standardized descriptions that we could start posting to software listing sites that were 50 characters, 100 characters, 250 characters, and 500 characters. And how in a way easy that should be and how that's been a week and that page has not even been filled there. <laughs> so I'll end there. But the idea is, you know, part, wanting to take a little bit of a look and reflection at that and anyone to share some thoughts. And then at one point, Nihal and I will hop on just a little bit of a, some work we've been doing up from a homepage to um, a new version of that page and, and why we're doing that and what we've learned. So I'll, I'll, I'll end there and anyone can hop in. Okay. So for example, when we talk about tallies, like the value proposition, but it's like, okay, we see the growth. If you if you just see the numbers, the numbers show us the reality. So like go to the Q4 2020, uh, go to the numbers Q1 2021. So it's like, what is that? What is why uh, the dots are not connecting with respect to the numbers and uh, what we are trying to prove? So for example, we see the growth in the human transcription request. We see the growth in the uh, uploading the media file. We see the growth in that, uh, uh, creating the text notes on speak or maybe why are different integrations we provide. So is that make sense to connecting those dots and see what the patterns are and what our hypothesis are? Or is like when we talk about uh, figuring out why, why or maybe what. So does that help at all uh, those numbers? Maybe that's an open question for anyone but it's like those numbers uh, when we talk about does that helps at all to understand uh, what are those customer audience, like what are their profiles on speak? Yeah, they're usually trying to decide like if our value proposition, like who we are working for, like who we care about, who we uh, uh, care towards, is all just a matter of the numbers, like who actually comes to us first or do we have to set aside that uh, in this discussion and talk about like more back to like uh, what Leon was saying is uh, why are we doing that in the first place? Is it all just a numbers game or is it, uh, is it all qualitative? Is it all quantitative? Uh, I don't know how, uh, how big that discussion can really get. Because like we all have our own dream customer, but does that, uh, does that, is that make sense? Is that true? Or we are just, that's our own, our own uh, dreams. Uh, we are thinking about the customer, but the number says the different story. Because I was actually telling Tyler earlier, I was, you know, writing out a bunch of questions. I mean, they're all the same question, but it's literally like, you know, what are we? Are we a transcription software? Are we a marketing intelligence software? Are we a keyword analysis software, right? Are we a knowledge management software? Like, what are we, right? Because even just from our short uh, conversation earlier this morning, right, if we're, we're all, you know, uh, talking to people in our lives, what do we tell them speak is and what do we tell them that speak does? And I think that's that's kind of where we're trying to slowly find our way, right? Find our path uh, to that ultimate answer. <laughs> yeah. I've looked sometimes at the description of speak as like water, <laughs> which is <laughs> this, this bendy modulating thing that depends on who I'm talking to and what I know about them and how I can communicate that. But it's not necessarily... Uh, the best practice. And it would be amazing to come to something that's standardized, that feels like the way that we actually want to communicate it and, and, and say that confidently and excitedly. And it's also, you know, you think we're coming up, we'll be coming up in, in January, 2020, oh my God, 2022 on three years. So you think like, <laughs> was this supposed to be done by now? <laughs> like, I know this is an ongoing process that, you know, you continue to work on and refine uh, and we've learned so much along the way, but it's, it's something very interesting to be this deep in to have like 
this deep into the work, be growing and still like feel like you're building an airplane or rocket in real time <laughs> and then like painting the rocket the way that it's supposed to look from the outside so that people can understand it. And that's been a sort of a hilarious <laughs> way to be doing things. And I remember when we first started this, I said to Vatsal, I would say all the time and is like, I wanted it to be like this sort of like Evernote notion like interface that was this neutral thing that people came into like a sandbox and we figured out what was producing value. And we've done that for a long time and we've learned a lot. And when someone comes and signs up, they say, hey, I'm a, a researcher and I'm looking for X. And, and we start to see these patterns, even in a small sample size where we're producing value. But I'll use one example, not out of jealousy, but out of uh, just awe of watching. And it's, uh, I've talked about it many times already, but it's like copy AI. And, and you know, so in their six month journey, um, they have gone from, you know, zero, and not that that's the only metric of growth, but MRR to, they're just crossed over 85 and a 1.2 million in revenue as just a software only company. And it's because they, picked such a small area to focus on such an important need and communicated that so effectively and tightly that there was no, no, you know, no choice for them. And we're learning a lot from these organizations and, and how they're doing it. And then also trying to build upon this vision that we see as this expansive project and the possibilities that are, that are endless with what you can do with media and making it more valuable. So I'll shut up for a second, but that's, that's a great example. That, we, yeah. we, we talk about two days back in the evening walk is we are talking about all these companies are trying to solve one problem. We see even on the product hunt, just a recorder company, just what they sell is the recorder, Chrome extension for recorder. The second company was just doing the text analysis, just the text analysis, right? So it's like what we have is like, and also you we agree, uh, from December 2018, we changed our pitch a lot. It's like in terms of we started with uh, the embedded media player inside extraction tool that was like the media player tool. Then in uh, mid of 2020, we included the text module. We changed the whole game. It's like now we are talking about audio, video, and text combined solution. And before we are talking about as a dream that, yeah, this tool will work this way or that way. But when we see in the mid of 2020, I think in my way, that's a trigger when we have the combined audio, video, and text analysis all in one. So that's, I think, so that's a point, maybe quarter two or three, I would say 2020, and integration with the APIs. That's where the whole, I don't know, I don't want to say game, it's like, that's a fun. It's like the whole business change uh, after Q2 and Q3 2020, right? And then then that's why I would say we got like a span of maybe two quarter uh, to change our language, our wordings. And because everyone knows what speaker I do is like, that, I, I don't know. That's why it's maybe difficult to, for the messaging or maybe for to talk about what exactly uh, speaker does, so. Love to hear. Timothy, you've been quiet so far, but I'd love to hear from Nihal or, or Leon or just, yeah, your perspective on this as you have tried to come in. And I mean, Nihal's seen it too, which is like, <laughs> if you look at a couple of software listings or you find like uh, where someone was describing SpeakI in the past, very different, you know, not in that, and that's, uh, you know, that, that we, again, wanting that consistent messaging, wanting to get that to be inclusive of the, you know, who we're trying to serve. And in the ideal world, you can help everyone, but you can't. And that's that's a sad, it's sort of a sad reality, but one you have to actually live with and then make choices, especially if you want to be a great team that grows and makes an impact. You can't do everything. You can't serve everyone. Uh, and, and so we continue to try to refine that, um, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stop for a second. I, I might add a couple points too, just from also just from listening to uh, our chat here. Uh, I like the dynamics, by the way, this is great. So Nihal, you'll find that this is probably right up your alley as well, because um, let me start with, I think, theoreticals and then maybe draw some analogies. So right now, from a builder's perspective, um, of course, I wasn't um, the original builders of the, of the company or the product or the tool, um, but from a builder's perspective, we can look at a framework that I think IDO had um, democratized or had made popular, which is the double diamond approach to product development from first diamond, which is uh, the explorative approach, the divergent 
um, thinking part where you generate a lot of ideas and then and then you hone in on the ideas you find something that that seems like solves the problem that you defined right and then the, the second double diamond becomes execution which is like how do you actually go about solving that problem middle part is ideation so i feel like we've gone through the first double diamond which is the explorative area of, of solution to problem fit the problem that we may have had um, or we, we see that people experience is that um, that data gets lost, the data doesn't get analyzed, the insights uh, are nowhere to be found. You know, uh, I still haven't got into the groove of note taking with uh, without having to type something or even writing things down. There's some, there's some, I think, lost connection between uh, or with regards to how we write things down and, and kind of solidifies in their, in their memory or, or long-term memory. But anyhow, I haven't developed a habit of, of talking to something and then it would give me real-time feedback. It's just something that we're not used to. The interface part is something that we're not used to. But anyhow, it, it does solve that problem. But the second part is like, what does the solution look like? How well does it solve the problem? Uh, and to me, to be completely upfront, we have a incredible amount of prototypes and a lot of experiments ongoing I'm really glad that we didn't launch mobile apps. We had, I think several months ago or even two quarters ago, we were thinking about uh, creating mobile apps to even like further elevate, let's say our, our value chain uh, or, or expand our value chain. Um, but to me, that was, well, I think one of the best decisions was to shelf that project right now. Uh, Cause I, I literally thought we had a five person engineering team of whatever we had built. <laughs> um, and that may be like a, a a subtle compliment there, but it just seemed like we had such powerful, you know, um, technologists working on this because like, how could, how could a, a one and a half year old company launch so many things and, and be proud of these things that they launched. Uh, but anyhow, back to the story, um, glad that we didn't launch the mobile apps and we're now trying to figure out within this, um, massive amount of, of technological power to me, it seems like, okay, so we've, we've, now dwelled into mainframe computers, massive, you know, room size or factory warehouse size computers. Now, how do we make, how do we empower individual end users who don't know what a computer is um, to navigate it with not only typing commands, but with gestures, with a click of a mouse or something that they think about that could happen. Um, so that's an analogy of how Steve Jobs created the personal computer, right? Or he and among his, his brilliant team members. Um, so there's a lot of reduction happening, both in size, uh, compressing uh, whatever needs to be done into something that just fits on your desk. Um, so for us, I think we're in the middle of honing in on that second double diamond where we can, we need to now define exactly how we offer this to people um, and really focus on that. Even if it doesn't work, we will have learned something along the way. Um, and we can also pick up another uh, or something else that we built, such as an API, you know, um, played as an example, FinTech companies, very successful. All they have is an API, but they literally allow you to connect any bank with any financial service um, instantaneously and share authentication, security, data, uh, no problems, right? And so there's so many layers we can explore here. Um, yeah, so that would be my first uh, segue into, into saying that before we have that all defined, much of the marketing money and dollars and time and resources that we spend might, might be going down to the drain. Because when we actually start to run experiments on the product marketing side or the go-to market initiatives, they have to be focused on one experiment. And whatever that it, it is that we're running, we need to, it may not be the most defined, uh, let's say product market fit um, yet, but it has to be the one that is least riskiest for us as a team. So throughout the process, we would have understood that everything else that we're gonna be doubling down on is perhaps more risky. And that one experiment that we wanna to drive to market is the one that either has most traction, um, highest NPS scores, uh, or drives the most revenue in a B2B sense uh, currently and, and or 
is the most unique and uh, competitive moat of protection against uh, or uh, from, from other competitors doing the same thing. So then we can look at why we're different and how we're different, how we can remain different and scale that difference. And, uh, and Nihal, back to you. That's um, what I would be able to offer in terms of saying, when we can define that product, then marketing will go, go to work and spectacular, spectacular things will happen or spectacular failures would happen, but then we would learn something from that. Uh, I'll add one part that is was very fascinating, which I started to contribute to this conversation, which is one of them is, you know, an amazing partnership that we're so excited about with MindCure, which has actually been a big driver of a lot of things that we worked for that in, in the past had felt abstract, that we didn't necessarily know we're going to convert to something actually converted. And that was a beautiful moment, I think, for all of us. Uh, especially as we looked at a little bit of an emerging market with healthcare and digital therapeutics and psychedelics, but for them to see the value, not just in the technology we had built, but the expertise of the company, the understanding that we had, and actually to leverage our APIs to build into their own product was, uh, that was a beautiful moment. And, uh, you know, and, and it also gave us a lot of freedom where Vatsal and Timothy are focused on, on making these APIs even more solid, more capable, more powerful, without having to worry about uh, spending time designing the front end of our application. So it also gave them freedom and focus. And I've seen a shift in our team working. I just feel like even in our meetings, like in a good way, everyone's like, let's go back to work. <laughs> like we, so I've always got appreciative of the time that we have here, but I had a very interesting conversation with, with someone who's selling large scale uh, technology implementations to organizations like MindCure. And he said something that stuck out to me, which is like, even though I'm selling to them, how do I know if I have product market fit, if the organization that I'm selling to doesn't have product market fit? So in that example, MindCure is still building technology that then they're still trying to see if that actually works and executes. And although we've created a value proposition for them, have we driven that value proposition all the way through? So that's one thing that's really stuck out to me, especially in this exploratory market. And then there's a lot of data work and digital therapeutics and all these terms that are new that people don't understand, fully understand. And lastly, is a little bit of Nihal and I have been working on, which is doing some analysis on, you know, where are things that are actually, that are converting or, or working as best we can. And so we took a look at our pages on our site and started to look at what is the success rate of someone coming to that page and then signing up. Uh, and this was a very fascinating look, and I don't know why I hadn't really looked at this before. Um, but we looked at the homepage, and, and the homepage before a couple changes of messaging and how the format looked was about a two two and two point two five percent conversion rate. You know, so that's a pretty pretty low. Um, and then with some changes, we got up to about three point eight five. But then we started to look at there's a couple pages that stuck out a lot. One of them was audio analysis. One of them was video analysis, and then the final one was embeddable recorder. And the embeddable recorder specifically, even in the last, is a basically a 10 plus percent conversion rate. So if you land on that page, you are most, you know, there's a high chance, not a high chance, but 10 up to 16% we've seen likelihood that you're going to sign up for the app. So with one page in one search term in a small offering of our product, that's like, the, I feel the closest that we've got to product market fit. I type embeddable recorder, I land on that page. The page articulates the value of what the system does, and it actually allows people to want to sign up because it solves a true problem. How do I capture audio and video across the web from different people all over the place if all I have is a web page and I don't know how to do that? That's a true problem that we solve. Now, maybe it's not driving the business growth, but it's very close. It's closer than what we've seen for the for net new experience to understanding speak to then signing up for a, for an action and just wanted to add that layer something that's been exciting for us and has driven a little bit of our discussion here today still one question uh what do you just what do you just explain so just figured in my mind it's like don't you think because people come on the embeddable recorder audio and video page they come with the problem on that page and that's a reason is like because when they go to the home page what problem they are coming with when they go to the home page? It's like because they are jumping on the recorder page, they know the problem. They found the a, a CTA buttons and they just click on the sign up page. So 
is like that's a that's a thing is like what problems they are coming on this page have a high conversion rate it's like then what problem we see on the home page uh, which we can add yeah and Mihal, I'm not sure if you have anything to add to that, but it is a very specific query that's driving, for example, audio and video analysis and embeddable recorder. Um, now there's low volume in those queries. I can't actually even advertise that on Google ads. So I can't say every time someone types embeddable recorder, um, advertise on that word, the search volume is so low. So it's a very specific problem, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's a, a, a good driver for us. And I think those needs will continue, but, um, it also talks down to a, one offering that we have is hitting a niche and actually solving a pain for people. And it feels good in a way to, to solve pain instead of making something that is cool or making something that is exciting or that you again, want to tell that you're working on with your friends. It's like, no, what is the painkiller that you have? And I'll add one other layer to this is this transcription. We avoided talking about that for like a year and a half at the company because we're like, transcription is bullshit. <laughs> It's commodified. We don't want to offer this. It's the analysis is the value. And when we look at where our revenue is generating and some of the traction and some of the greatest ways that people have derived value through the software, it has been transcription. And then now the layer of bringing humans in to clean it up to 100% because no one really wants to do that themselves. And that has been another driver for us is like, do the, the things that other people don't want to do. And people will support you <laughs> in that. And so that's just another one that stuck out of where we're adding value. <laughs> and we've had some people who we thought would order insights and analysis and they just want the transcription. So we even are seeing breakdowns in our own perspective, but <laughs> somehow still providing value to the, <laughs> to the technology. Because I think speaking to Wetzel's point as well, um, regarding the specific use cases, 100%, like the high conversion rate, uh, is more than likely attributed to uh, the very specific search query. Uh, but where we kind of took it from there as well was, okay, right? Like, how can we potentially uh, implement, maybe just design uh, uh, design language or like design cues that we're using on this page uh, and implement it quicker, easier on our homepage versus like doing a full like redesign, right? Cause that will come, that will come at some point. Uh, but how do we kind of just get it up to test and see if, you know, just changing the layout, maybe simplifying some of our offerings uh, will actually improve that. Maybe it won't go up to 10%, but even if we go from like 3% to five, 3% to six, right? That's more or less doubling our uh, user acquisition uh, within, I mean, we test out for a month, you know, two weeks, probably within two weeks to a month, we'll see, uh, some sort of validity to our experiment. And then if it doesn't work, we switch it up and find something else. Because yeah, I mean, Tyler knows my yeah. perspective. Of, <laughs> yeah. And so this is the current homepage. Um, Michal is um, generating a new one. And one of the things that sticks out to me is the length and the amount of information on it. And one of the talks that we had was, we can share all this information, but the true action that we want to see is someone sign up. And once they sign up, they even have an onboarding form that they, they share who, what is their role? What is the main goal they're trying to achieve and what, you know, solutions are they planning to use and speak? And with that insight, we have so much more value that we can provide. We can tell them exactly what part of the system is valuable inherently to them or where they should focus on or send a personalized greeting that helps them gain value out of the product. And when we look at that embeddable audio and video recorder, you know, six much tighter points, just a small screenshot, a couple custom testimonials, that so much shorter, much less information that is articulated. And the exercise we went through today that ended up or yesterday with Fatsal and Nihal was I was how do we get those six crunchy points? They expanded to eight and now have gone back down to six and trying to articulate in different ways. But how can we do that on the homepage? Um, and make that as valuable as possible and not overload with information. Just give the information that they need to see value. And just that idea of in sales, there's that moment where you've made a sale and then a salesperson can shoot themselves in the foot because they keep talking. And it's like, it's already done. Oh, I believe you. And they're like, but it does this and it does this and it does this. And we don't want to be that people. We don't want to be the, I mean, I'm doing it right now, just talking too much. <laughs> 
it's unnecessary. We, we are, we're confident in what we've built. It's now just articulating it and making sure that we're focusing on the punchy things. And I'll add one last part. I know I've said this is like, what did we see when we changed the pricing page? When we changed the pricing page before there was like 80 variables. And we thought that that was the powerful thing. Here's everything it can do. And we've seen a dramatic jump in people signing up once we reduced that information to just the main punchy points that mattered. So how can we do that same process on the homepage and in all our messaging? Uh, for your exercise yesterday, when you're coming up with your six punchy points or uh, whatever, um, who exactly like were you directing that towards? Was it more a matter of you're just summarizing uh, everything that Speak has to offer? Or is it like we are writing a fan letter to this person and we want this person to buy our product? I would say the, the, the one that stuck out to me is from all the people who have signed up from the system, even the people who have paid, um, both for front end, like self-serve, and then also the organizations who are paying us on a larger scale through APIs, what were the common things that we saw as valuable to them? And for me, one of the ones that was stuck out was the transcription um, with the automated or with the human touch so that a human can come clean it up. The other one that we never sometimes thought is as valuable, but other people did was sentiment like that, like for, in a way we sort of, it was always cool, but other people see it as much more valuable than we thought. And then the last one, um, which maybe is still a little bit not as tight, but is like the keyword and phrase identification, because we're starting to see now larger scale projects asking for that and see the value. So maybe not even ideal enough for the way we did it, but it was some pattern recognition from growth that we've seen previously. Uh, I, I think to speak to your point, Lauren, as well, is ideally that's where we get to, right? With our value prop, it's writing a fan letter to our highest value users, right? Or the people that uh, find the highest value in our product. Uh, I think where we ended up yesterday, once again, I, I we knew it would be a much lo longer, larger, potentially group involved project to actually trim down our messaging to, you know, what what's um, what's our main value prop. Uh, so for now, it's kind of sitting in a state of we took, you know, the previous homepage was so you had your analyze. What, sorry, it was capture, analyze, okay. optimize, share. Sure. Capture, analyze, share. share yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it's uh, we, we took that. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't stick. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, so we tried to take that and like trim it down into six points. Um, I, I think the end goal would basically be to to do a you know top level value prop, then have a breakdown. You know, maybe just three high level things that we we really hone in on. Uh, and obviously giving them the option to learn more if they need more information uh, and then finding a way to make that uh, optimized for conversion. Cause yeah, I, I ideally, and this was a conversation I had with, I mean, like when we were talking yesterday as well um, about there's a reason most SaaS companies follow like a specific template that works. Right. Um, and I understand sometimes our value prop isn't as, easy to simplify because they focus on this, right? But we're like, we can hit this, 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 and maybe this, right? So just trying to figure out, uh, also just going back to what Leon said about how do we, how, how do we find that one value prop that, what was it? It was the product market fit that's quote unquote, the least, least risky to our current business model that has the most traction, has the potential for the most revenue. And like, you know, what's our most unique proposition currently. And so I think that's ideally where we'll end up with uh, our entire entire ex exercise. Yeah. And the, the nice part that, uh, sorry, is Vatsal added to was the value propositions that you were building into those six points were also the flow of how you use the product. So it was in like chronological order. So like the signing up for speak part, like obviously the signing up, but then, then you need to capture or import or upload the audio or video or text, and then you get the, the transcription and analysis then. So it was also a very logical throughput that almost guided you of how to use the product while hitting the valuable um, propositions that we have within it.
Leon, you're off mute. Go ahead. Buddy. I'm off mute. Okay, awesome. Um, hand over the baton. So what was in my mind, actually? I wanted to run through a couple of things that I'd like to experiment with the group um, in, the, in the coming weeks. Uh, first thing would be to talk about, to really drill down on the idea of jobs to be done or job to be done. Um, in short, in product, we just call it job, jobs. It's, it's definitely a, a slang and it's definitely a, a inside of a bubble type of slang, but call them jobs, customer jobs. Uh, and, and because I took a, actually took a course to, to truly understand what job to be done was. And there was a, this is a, a concept developed and taught by Harvard's business school, I think product genius and business genius called Clayton Christensen. Um, he unfortunately passed away in 2019. Uh, but his course was still online. So I went on Harvard HBS online um, and signed up for the course that specifically taught product strategy, disruptive innovation, and what jobs to be done is. It's almost like the underlying first principle truth that uh, never changes. It's, it's about why, the why behind people do something. So for instance, uh, I won't go into details of it, but I know we're almost out of time. But the, one of the primary examples of uh, just one of the hardest products, uh, we call them products, but one of the hardest businesses ever created, hard as in indestructible, is Disney. And why is that? Well, when, when Walt Disney started to, even before he started to sketch out these cartoons to drive storytelling in order to make content um, and build a theme park thereafter, he went out to observe people and he recognized that one day he was a playground. He saw some kids and the mom and dad with the kids having a blast just around a, a um, something at a playground, let's just say. It was an enclosed, not physically, but it was psychologically an enclosed space that allowed parents and kids to have fun together. Um, and he recognized at that moment, obviously the jobs concept wasn't around back then, I think over a hundred years ago but he knew that he was able to build a business around helping parents spend quality time with the kids where both can enjoy. Um, and his first product was sketches and cartoons because he was, he was good at it. Uh, he doubled down on, on making cartoons animated um, and then drawing attention. And eventually the theme park was the next product that, that revolved around the core stories, which everybody understood. Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, uh, you know, Bugs Bunny, all these things. And, and, and the theme park was an indestructible moat of protection because literally you enter walls and inside you lose track of time, you lose track of capital, you lose track, you're just having fun with the kids. And it's a really big pain point or value add for parents. And he was able to capture that value from day one. Um, and fast forward to today, Disney now owns National Geographic. They now own you know, the Star Wars series, the Marvel series, uh, they, they just own everything. And their streaming service is, is off to the moon. Um, all because they didn't change their jobs to be done. Even though the product and the service and whatever is being offered has evolved and adapted over time, right? Uh, the Netflix model of, of subscriptions is what they built and in the past two years or so. Um, that's the first thing I want to mention is I want to get our team very, very polished on understanding what a jobs, a jobs be done is for our customers. Um, it has to be as simple as help me spend quality time with my, my kids um, anywhere or for, for a certain amount of time. Um, and that evolves into a product. And so number two is, is I wanna talk about the concept of total product waste. Uh, it's another way of measuring, truly measuring KPI or measuring success because how much time and effort we've saved from um, flushing down the toilet actually is really important. Uh, so from user research and product design, all these experimentation and prototyping, all it does is really just to de-risk whatever we're building. And so um, anybody wanna take a stab at this? Happy to um, do the math with you, but here's an example of um, a workshop that I did while I was working at Canada Post Digital on, on product and total product waste. So you would count all the unused features, that's all, and uh, add rebuilt features, multiply the weeks that we spent building it, then multiply 
it's getting scary, I know. The multiply, the number of developers, designers, and PMs um, that were working on it then multiplied their actual rate. That's in, in monetary terms, we can calculate how much is being unused. If, we, if we're specialists in capturing dark data, this framework will help us capture dark uh, or, or, or uh, wasted resources, basically. So the little dotted line and things on the right of it kind of uh, shows you how the math works. So yeah, like off the top of our head, I think it's definitely in the five to six digit range for the current state of uh, unused features. Um, and so using this is almost like a uh, guardrail metric for us to realize that, hey, if we were to build this cool thing or fun thing that we think might work, let's actually look at how this could backfire in the long run. Like what, what's the opportunity cost of building something rather than focusing on what we decided on was the best strategy for now. So I might run a workshop on this or kind of keep on bringing this concept up over time to help us be better aligned with, uh, with our go-to-market. Hurts my heart, Leon. <laughs> I was Mine too. I'm going to start up a Google sheet and just keep like a running total for that pretty much. Do you want to do like overall for the whole year or do you want to do that for like, oh God. like the last month or is it just like a whole running total for the whole lifetime it, it, of the company? Almost or? like a EpiPen, right? If like, if you're actually struggling so hard, you can use this to reboot yourself and understand that like, Actually, for the past two, three weeks, we've just been rebuilding something that actually doesn't have a tangible outcome, um, perhaps. And I'm sure that there's there a lot of good things on our OKRs, um, projected OKRs for this quarter, but I like to kind of use this as a guardrail once again. Um, it's almost like a, uh, it's a worst case scenario, so, so to speak. But once we have this idea, I think that this powerful part about this framework is that once you have the idea that $10,000 could be literally spent in two weeks just on building something that doesn't make sense for our current strategy, which we've defined, then it's much easier to say no to things. That's the most powerful part. Still, there is a aspect of that uh, that I'd argue. You shouldn't take away the skateboard of your kid. You should let them, you should let the boy parkour against that guardrail and you should let out your... Uh, um, we just had talking about um, something completely opposite is this um, talk. Can, can we talk about it, XR? Yeah. XR is the company studio uh, that creates immersive reality content. And it had intents to um, run a crazy experiment involving Speak AI, um, involving creating this interaction, real-time personalized experience, but short, long story short, uh, we got to have um, sort of, not we, but conceptually, guardrails are um, designed to prevent us from destroying ourselves. While still there should be an output for some craziness in any team. My personal opinion. I'm with you on that, Tim, but I, I, uh, I, I and, and I think if you, I'll, I'll use that, you know, a very well-known example is like, you know, Google allowing their employees and their team to have one day a week where they could work on basically whatever they wanted to and how much that outputted in terms of net value, not just for the company, but for the world came out of that. <laughs> like, right. So there, I actually, I have a fine balance in this. And, and sometimes this is where I struggle as, I think, you know, even where some of the challenges I speak at I have emerged is because at a core level, I, I love innovation. And that's a huge driver for me. And if I'm not having fun or feel like we're pushing an envelope on tech, then sometimes I can, uh, you know, lose my own enthusiasm. But then we see the opposite of that, which is when we focused down and decided that we could just deliver high quality transcriptions for people, we did something very, in a way, boring that solved problems for people. And that's then allowed us to, and will continue to allow us to have more experimental time. I love the one person that I watch right now where he says like, 
you have to earn the right to experiment. You have to earn the right to innovate. You have to solve the problem and then you will grow and then you do the stuff. And I think we will never lose that imagination. And that's one of the reasons why I think all of you are here. And that's why we all love doing this stuff is that we actually have this ability to imagine and create and navigate through innovation. Um, uh, so uh, it's just a wonderful balance here that's coming. And I'm so glad to have someone like Leon also give some metrics to our imagination <laughs> and the consequences of when we dream a little too big when it's not quite ready to dream. Well, we could yet. look at it this way. I think once again, my philosophy is that there are no wrong decisions. There's only context. Um, under what context are you making this, this decision? In the, in, the, in, the, in the, I guess we use Google as a comparison. So might as well, I might as well go along with it, even though it, this is like comparing elephants to um, mice. But Google allows these things to, to incubate and be create allows people to be creative because um, there are potential moonshots. And these people are, you know, um, highly intelligent and they might feel constrained from, from not allowing the creativity to flow. Um, but Google has product, had product market fit when they built up that type of, uh, of organizational culture, if you will. And so we could definitely do that. Two questions we would ask ourselves is that, are we already working on that moonshot? And if so, we should be doubling down on building out that moonshot first, um, instead of experimenting more moonshots on top of our moonshots, which we can't really focus on, like we can't really decide on what the best trajectory to the moon yes is yet. And the second part of that is how do we want to best use our times? That's the real question that I want to ask. Um, and once we can come to terms with these two things, I think everything plays within that context and there are no bad decisions. Once again, they're just what's best for where we want to go and what we want to achieve. Yeah. Google has like the cash flow to experiment and throw some shit at just whoever wants to build whatever they want to build. Like for yeah. every uh, Gmail that uh, was successful, like how many shit did uh, Google throw out and just got left on the cutting room floor? Yeah, so like, it's it's all about like, what can we uh, like ten thousand dollars lost is going back to that uh, uh, the total waste there. Like if Google just lost ten thousand dollars just paying some engineer to throw together some sort of crap, that's nothing for Google. But like for a startup for a small business, that's uh, pretty detrimental. So it's got to be a uh, it's got to be a lot of thought. It's got to be a lot of uh, preparation, experimentation, more so like with numbers, even like figuring out what makes sense before you even touch a line of code. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I know we're doing some rebuilding right now, and I hadn't thought of the rebuild part. <laughs> which is <laughs> one, one good thing on that is like we is like if that was the situation, I would say the last year, but even quarter one and quarter two is pretty focused on like what we are doing and how we are doing. So even if we do the math, I would say it would be less than three digit uh, for the quarter two. So if you do the math for the OKRs, what we had decided for this quarter, uh, probably we give some bandwidth, maybe 5%, I would say, uh, to do and spend out of three months, the experiment, including all of us. So that would be fine. But if you do the last year, uh, that's what helped us to drive here. That's what I would, I'm trying to say, right? Otherwise, if we didn't do, let's say text module, if you just focus on audio and video, we would never have the text insights and the com combined layer. So it's like always try hard to find the balance, but uh, so far it's like we try to find the balance and, and uh, yeah, let's see uh, what does that equation uh, end up with the, the existing feature. I'll, I'll just, uh, I know we're coming for time here. I wanted to share one last thing. This is something that this, this, this image gives me so much pain. <laughs> I was trying to work through that. I don't even know if this is on all this or like, but this is, you know, one of the strongest ways that you can build out value propositions. And Leon, I'm not sure if you have any insights onto this, mm -hmm. but as I think Nihal, it was like watching me try to answer this. <laughs> hurt because everything you have to eliminate something or eliminate someone and just one last part that Nihal has made me do is say, Tyler said Tyler stop saying and more 
you know, uh, search, marketing, research, and more. Just leave it up to your imagination, whatever it is. Self-contained. You know, I love Leon, you talk about that Disney where it's like the self-contained area where people can have family and friend, uh, and their kids can have fun. Like, how can we self-contain and be more precise with that? Um, yeah, just, just wanted to share that. I've been working through this document and, and those variations multiple times and every time I feel pain. <laughs> So bad. Well, one, one thing we could do is try to detach the product. Uh, I know it's very difficult, but we're going to, it's almost like that um, venom idea where, where the guy gets, you know, gets uh, this alien um, body inside of, inside of him. Right. But we can, we, we should not, not saying that this is an alien or anything. This is actually positive. I think venom eventually helped the guy out. Anywho, we can detach the product from Tyler and where Tyler can work on um, uh, sales and pitching and just pitching his heart out. And then we can then independently build a product so that he can better make those pitch sales pitches. Mm. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that, Leon. It's nice to have you with Lauren. I consider you actually now we almost I would say Nihal, uh, Leon. No, you know what, Tim, it's only you and I who are who are like need the, the guardrails at all instances, <laughs> at all moments. But for a while, it was like mostly Lauren who would say Vatsal, Tyler, Tim, no. <laughs> and then <laughs> Vatsal got smarter and then started saying that as well, too. And now you two have joined and, and Tim and I have a wonderful barricade of all the childlike curiosity and things that we <laughs> would irresponsibly do if you guys weren't here. So we're appreciative. We're all here because you were a child and you still are a child. And, and, and that's like, you know, that's the biggest compliment, you know, for what you've built. Well, and, and I, I just have seen when you're curious, like you said, Leon, curious at the start and like you're curious and you're passionate and you're, you, you are, even if there are immense risks, but you'll push up against those sometimes you can take you very far in life. And it's allowed me to work with you guys so that it makes me feel joy, even though when I look back at my own wasted spend on that calculation, you put, uh, it, it's a big number and it hurts. It's like, I wouldn't be here if it, if I hadn't made those decisions and I hadn't, hadn't done that. So I'm, I'm very grateful. We're at time, I guess, any last closing thoughts or anything that we learned, anyone who wants to share anything that we learned from this discussion today, and then how will this help you propel forward from, is this just a set of ongoing discussions we have anything actionable after today, as you head into the weekend, uh, you know, I'd love to take a couple minutes to close this out. And I, I, I've enjoyed this discussion. I say every week, I enjoy them more, but this one was a, a ton of, a ton of fun. Maybe just to continue on this thread and, and continue playing this pleasant note. Um, it's, a, it's a happy bicycle day, by the way. And 78 years ago on Monday was the ever, the very first LSD trip recorded. Um, recorded by uh, Swiss chemist, Dr. Albert Hoffman. And uh, years after the synthesis, synthesis, he knew that LSD has some, had, had something to offer the world. And he took it upon himself to self-test. <laughs> and uh, just to tell the story, he cycled back from his lab. And on his journey home, he found himself exposed to a world of color. And thinks it's it's we must be curious and stay so that's a good uh a good way to say that we need to experiment more <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay uh i don't have anything to say after that that was great <laughs> that's all anything Leon, thank you for joining it was a, a ton of fun uh looking forward for more uh uh meetings like this on the friday yeah yeah and uh and just to the rest for the rest of the team um my engagement I, i'll be uh with tyler and vatsal on site uh for uh one day a week for the full day so um at some point you might see some of us hanging out together for a little bit but just to break down silos and and means of communication yeah Look so uh, yeah, equally as excited 
there's there's a lot of things that we we need to um, stop doing, but also so that we can focus on things that we are doing better. Um, in, in Tim's terms, those experiments they need to be focused on a goal, and and that would be a good experiment. So we have the milestones defined. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I missed that meeting. Nihal, <laughs> <laughs> uh, any thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, like that's just said, you know, definitely excited to have uh, Leon on board and uh, it's going to be good to uh, kind of see how he can help us also, you know, trim, trim the fat. Right? So that, that'll be, that'll be a good, good little experiment. Uh, but I, I mean, to speak to Tim, like I'm, I'm all for Tim's, like, like Tim makes me think about things that I otherwise would just be like, eh, whatever. <laughs> but Tim helps me, uh, you know, keep the, the child in me alive as well. I mean, you too, Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I, I just know, like, dream, uh, like Leon's role here is not to be a dream killer. Exactly. It's actually, be, it's actually to be the opposite. It's to foster dreams and allow us to make those happen. So that's uh, that's a, a very delicate role, but you're playing it, playing it well, Leon, and we're grateful. So thank you to anyone who uh, who who tunes in and watches this. This was a ton of fun. Hope you learned some stuff. We're learning, um, and uh, hope you have a wonderful week and a wonderful day. Thank you for thank joining. You.